the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the KFAX Ministry of the Week Sunday Message. The Bay Area has a rich diversity of churches and ministries that serve the community in Jesus' name. And here at KFAX, we love to shine a spotlight onto the great things God is doing through the kingdom work of pastors and ministry leaders. We feature a sermon or presentation from that leader to get you better acquainted with churches who will welcome you to worship and ministry opportunities that invite your involvement. Today we are very pleased to have Pastor Napoleon Kaufman from playing fields of Lompoc High School along the central coast of California. In 1991, he won a full scholarship to play football for the Huskies of the University of Washington. Upon finishing his senior year with the Huskies, the then two-time All-American and Heisman Trophy candidate became a first-round draft pick for the Los Angeles Raiders. In 1995, Napoleon Coffin began a professional football career that would span six years and would catapult him to elite status as a premier NFL running back. In response to the call of God in 2001, Napoleon retired from professional football and today is the senior pastor of the Well Christian Community in Livermore, California. Under the spiritual covering of Gateway City Church in San Jose, the Well opened its doors for the first time on March 2nd, 2003. From a relatively modest beginning in a small 110-seat sanctuary in San Ramon, the Well relocated in June of 2012 to its current 83,000-square-foot facility in Livermore. The Well Christian community shines as an expression of God's love and hope for restoration. You can hear Pastor Napoleon Kaufman preach every weekday right here on KFAX AM 1100 at 3 p.m. in the afternoon with a replay at 11 p.m. weeknights. Find out more about The Well at thewellchurch.net. And here is Pastor Napoleon Kaufman's sermon today, The Walk of Love. How many hungry for God's Word? Y'all hungry for God's Word? Come on, open your Bible to the book of 1 John. Now, you know, I've been studying this book and, and really have been excited about some of the nuggets that God has given me. This morning, I want to talk to you all about, and the title of my message is The Walk of Love. The Walk of Love. Somebody say, The Walk of Love. The Walk of Love. Love is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle that we live in the sight of God. God shares his moral attribute of love with us. And it's our job through the influence of the Holy Spirit to learn to value love coming to us, but also love flowing through us. And for us as Christians, sometimes the, the issue is people have a hard time receiving love. But then on the flip side, people have a hard time giving love. What we want to do is become channels of blessing the people and through the influence of the Holy Spirit. Because remember, one of the fruit of the Spirit of God in your life is love. It's a manifestation of God's Spirit flowing through you as you begin to excel in love. 
to walk in love, to embrace love, to enjoy living a lifestyle of love. You know, I often say this, that lust is a taker. Lust is a taker, but love is a giver. For God so loved the world that he what? He, he gave. He gave his only begotten son. He gave that which was precious to him. Jesus laid down his life for us because greater love have no man than this than a man laid down his life for his friends. That is the, 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 the most beautiful expression. And it is the fullness of expression when it comes to love is you being willing to lay down your life for someone else, to give of yourself. God gave. The, our Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ laid down his life for us to, to display his love. Love is not just a feeling. It's not just a feeling. Love is a decision of heart. And for all of us, we have to embrace this aspect of Christianity. And it becomes a lifestyle that I walk in love. I'm willing to give my life for other people. Doesn't mean that it always feels good. Doesn't mean that you don't sometimes have to battle within yourself. But when we really cross over the line in our walk with God, we learn to give our life over to God. To surrender ourselves. I give you my life, Lord, and I give my life to those that you've put in my life. I'm willing to lay down my life for my brothers and sisters to give of myself. And so for us, this becomes our lifestyle. And when the church is full of people that are willing to lay down their lives to serve and to help other people. The root of all sin is selfishness. People are selfish. I, me, Adam and Eve. If Eve would have just told the serpent, the devil, she would have just told the devil, no. I don't care that it's pleasant to the eyes. I don't care that it's good for food. I don't care. I know what God said. Don't touch it. Don't go near it. Don't get, I'm not getting near that. She started thinking about herself. If Adam would have looked at the situation and said no but people are selfish and so this is one of the things that God has to do in our lives is has he has to rid us of selfishness but he rids us of selfishness by infusing us with his love and teaching us how to love one another and to walk in this dynamic form of love look what it says here in first John chapter 4 And we're going to look at verse 7, and we're just going to break down these verses all the way down to 21. It says here in verse 7, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is what? He is love. He is the personification of love. God has given himself to all existence. Everything that is, is a result of his love and is a result of his person. We have to see that. There's nothing that is, that is without God. He keeps everything in its proper order. He makes sure, he, he's the one that makes sure that everything is, is functioning effectively 
according to his perfect plan and will. And for all of us, we have to see this when it comes to God, that even your body and all the molecules and all the enzymes and all the makeup in your DNA, everything is held together by the word of his power. In him, all things consist and have their being. It's, it's him that's keeping you alive, that's keeping you functioning. It's not just you, and it's not just nature. He is the God over all nature. So everything is held in place by the, the scriptures, by the word of his power. If he retracts his word, then everything disintegrates. We have to see this about God. He is love. He is the one that has given us life. He's the one that formed us and fashioned us. And we have to go back to this. And, and if you and I are going to be like our father, then this is something that we have to embrace in our own lives. That I want to be a person that's willing to give of myself to benefit somebody else's life. And it's going to be painful sometimes. And people are going to get on your last nerve. And you're going to be tired. And you're not going to want to do it. And you're going to not want to give up yourself. But God wants us to live lives of love. And it's not just what you say. It's your lifestyle. is what you do. Jesus could have easily said, I'm, I, I, I'm going to get on that cross. Because I love y'all. But he didn't say that. He just got up there. Went to the grave. Got up out of the grave. And demonstrated that he loved us. And that's. And we love him because he first loved us. We can't just give God our lip service. He's looking for our lives. And we have to be willing to do that. And God is love. And if God is love and this same God is inside me, he's going to teach me how to live a lifestyle of love. He says in verse 9, In this the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. He says, "In In this is love. It says, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That which was necessary, that which was the price that was paid. Propitiation means that God had something that was necessary to appease his wrath. He determines what's necessary to appease his wrath and he gave it on our behalf so that we could ultimately be pleasing in his sight. When we accept Jesus, the propitiation for our sins, is we accept him into our lives. And so Jesus was that which was necessary. He was the person that was necessary to appease his father's wrath. He said, here I am. Behold, it is me. In the book, it is written of me. Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. And he laid down his life because that was the only thing, him laying down his life was the only thing that was going to give us access back to the Father. It says here in verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. 
And so this is, becomes our lifestyle. And love, and I, I talked about this last week, love, love in our lives, we have to see love does not mean that you give people what they want all the time. Just think what would happen if you gave your kids everything they wanted. You would go crazy. No, but you love them. You don't give them everything they want. You're wiser than them, more mature. You give them what they need. And God gives us exactly what we need. We can pray for things, but God knows the timing. He knows the season. He knows where your character is in in relation to what you want. Sometimes he wants to give you something, but you're not ready for it. Can I have an amen, y'all? I know that for sure. And God processes you so that when he gives you what he's going to give you, it doesn't destroy you. And so God teaches us the value of patience and all those other great things that we love. Don't we just love to talk about patience? But God knows what we need. He gives us what we need because he loves us. And we have to learn to, to express this love amongst each other and within the church. Realize, and this is one thing I was, I was thinking about when I was studying this. One thing I was thinking about is when you love somebody, you're willing to hold them accountable. Because you love them. Not because you hate them, but because you love them. When you love a person, you want them to be the best that they could be. So you hold them accountable. And one of the things that the church has failed at is holding our own accountable. We failed to hold ourselves accountable. So the world is looking at us and they're saying, don't correct us when y'all tore up. Oh, I know I'm preaching now. I know I'm preaching now. How are you guys, you guys don't even police your own. How are you going to tell us what to do? But love holds each other. Let me show you something here in the Bible. Hold your finger right there and I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Just hold your finger right there. We're going to come back to it. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. You know, I'm looking at all this stuff that's going on in the world. And, and quite frankly, I'm not worried about the world. I'm, I'm thinking about the church. What's going on in the house of God? Because judgment begins at the house of God. So I want to see what's going on in the house of God. And if we would learn to hold ourselves accountable, then the world would stop calling us hypocrites. So we want to fix that at the well, amen? And we want to fix that all over the world. We want to see God help us to hold each other accountable so that God can continue to flow in our midst. Look what it says here. This is Apostle Paul. And you know Apostle Paul was a lover of men. He laid down his life for people. Look what he says. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. He says, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. That means having sex and things of that nature out of wedlock, out of being married, all kinds of forms of sexual perversions and lust and things that destroy lives. You know, I was saying this to somebody. We have to be careful. I say this to our worship team, our leadership team all the time. The three G's. If you want to live a good life, And just see God move in your life. 
you have to watch out for the three G's. Number one, you have to watch out for the girls and guys. The, the, the TV is full of lustful stuff. Everything's lustful stuff and sex. I mean, it's all about, you know, sex and lust and perversion and lewdness and who can get naked the fastest, you know. I mean, after a while, it's like, come on, man. But this is what the world's on. So the devil, he wants to get the church. If you can stay away from the girls and the guys, you stay away from that. You're going to, I'm telling you, you're going to do a great job. You're going to, God is going to move in your life. If you can just stay sanctified in that area. You have to stay away from, from the, from the, from the glory. Never take God's glory. Whatever you do, don't take God's glory. Every, it belongs to God. As soon as you start getting lifted up in your mind and thinking it's you that's doing good things or you don't need anybody and that you all that in a bag of chips, God is getting ready to bust your bubble. Can I have an amen? You can never, I'm talking about in the church now. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about in the church. Just because you hit it on one solo don't mean that we're going to give you business cards now. Can, can, I, can I have an amen, y'all? Just because, you know, you preached a good message, one good message, doesn't mean that now you're supposed to start a church and become a worldwide prophetess extraordinaire. Extraordinaire. You know, what, what happens is we don't realize that if God doesn't use you, he'll use somebody else. Can I have an amen, y'all? We got to make sure that we stay away from the glory of God, that you don't touch it. If you and I can stay away from the gold and, and the glory, then we're fine. The girls, the gold, okay? Now, the gold, you can't do what you do for God just for money, And let me say this to y'all. God will test you in this. He will test you. I've had so many, I've preached so many times, I I, I don't even know. But I can remember going to places to preach the gospel. And the church, I preached hard. I'm sweating. I'm falling out. I'm drenched. I'm, I'm, whoo. And I drove two hours to get to the spot. And then when I left the church, they gave me a check for $80. And I, and I learned a long time ago. I learned a long time ago that, you know, if if that was wrong, God will deal with them. But the issue here is sometimes it's God. Sometimes it's God saying, where's your motivation at? Are you doing this just for money? And I look at, I learned a long time to look at it and say, oh, praise God. Thank you, Lord. 
and move on. Then the next time I go somewhere to minister, they gave me $4,000. God knows, he knows how to test your heart to see where you're at. If you start doing what you're doing just for money, on your job, you got to know, is this where God has me? If you just start chasing the money, you're going to run in this. Do what you do and do not allow money just to be the source of your yay or nay. You have to look at it and say, is this the will of God? Because if I got to go through a valley for a season for God to put me, to put me on a high mountain eventually, then I'm willing to go, Lord. And that's the heart that we have to have. If we stay away from the gold, the glory, and the girls, I'm telling you, and the guys, I'm telling you right now, you'll live a great life and God will bless you. But those three areas, the devil will always try to trip us up. Can I have an amen, y'all? And so he says here that not to keep company with sexual immoral people. He's not talking about people outside of the church. He's talking about in the house of God. Look what he says. Verse 10, yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or idolater or a reviler, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a one. He says, what have I to do with judging those who are outside? He's talking about people in the world. He said, those people, that's what they're going to do. We get mad, we're throwing rocks, the church is throwing rocks at people that that's what they do. They're not saved. He says here, look at verse 12, do you not judge those who are inside? But those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away yourselves. He says that evil person. The problem that we have in the church is we don't love love people enough to hold them accountable. The church, don't be judging. Well, what did he just say? See, I don't listen to every, I don't listen to that Christian lingo. I pick up my Bible and read it and say, what did he just say? We got to hold you accountable now. You, you can't do that. We love you. We're not kicking you out. We, we just say, get it right. You got to repent of this. Get it right. But what the problem is, the church hasn't learned to police itself because the church doesn't love itself enough. We don't love each other enough. To say, no, I'm not going to let the devil tear your life up like that. We're going to talk about this. What we do is, is we, we pull out our broom and we try to sweep it under the carpet. And I hope they don't find out. And leaders sweep it under the carpet. And preachers sweeping under the carpet. 
And I didn't want to tell nobody, no, you need to talk to somebody in leadership. Let them know what's going on. We can get this right. Hold this person accountable and say God would help them and they would make it right. And then God would use them and it'd be a testimony and be a blessing. Problem, we don't love each other enough. We got to love each other enough to say, hey, man, let's, let's hold each other accountable. Can I have an amen? This is what the Apostle Paul said. Let's go back to 1 John and let's finish this. Because this is what true biblical agape does. Look what he says here. He says in verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. This is what we do. He says, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected or matured come to completion among us. And this is what we want. We want the love of God to be in our lives, in our midst, and in our congregation, and in every church that is a true church that has been established by God upon the face of the earth. We want the love of God to flow and become mature and perfected among us. That people see this in our midst, us willing to lay our lives down, to hold each other accountable, to, to, to give of ourselves for each other and to bless one another. What happens is people see this and they're drawn to this kind of lifestyle and atmosphere. This is what we need. When they see carnality and they see people that don't really love each other and they see backbiting and they see people murmuring and complaining and they see people being hypocritical, it doesn't draw people to Christ and to his church. It pushes them away. Now, that's still no excuse, but the issue here is we have to look ourselves in the mirror and say, man, am I really walking in love? Am I really walking in love? Am I giving my life to bless someone? It might be uncomfortable for me to have hard conversations, but it's not about me. It's about this person and them being blessed and their lives being changed. This is what we need. Look what he says in verse 13. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his who? His spirit. Never forget That the Holy Spirit, he is in our midst. He's with us. And everything I'm talking about right now, he is championing this in our midst. He wants to promote this. He wants this scene. And God has sent him to be in our midst to help us to become perfected in this area. And so we're not trying to do this on our own. He's there to help us. Every bit of love that we need, he is the one that supplies it. Every bit of, every bit of strength and encouragement that we need and comfort, the comforter is here to help us in this area of our life so that we grow in love. That we stop being mean. That we, you can, you can, you can tell a person a tough thing with a smile on your face. Stop frowning at everybody. People think that means you're really deep as a Christian. Especially when you get around prophetic people. They act like they see everything. But they don't see nothing. I see sin. I see sin. I'm not talking about that. 
Most of the time, people just, them people are just guessing. I'm not talking about that. Put a smile on your face. That's nothing wrong. And we got to learn in the midst of us going through this, the Holy Spirit is not walking around here with a checklist. He's not. He's going he's to convict us. But he's not walking around with a checklist. We shouldn't be doing that either. Somebody say balance. balance. We got to have balance. You got to let things, sometimes, sometimes when it comes to our lives, if we love one another, you, you, you don't have to always rush off and panic. Watch it. Sometimes people will make a turn before you get to them. Can I have an amen, y'all? And so for all of us here, realize that we're not God. We're partnering with God, and the Holy Spirit is in our midst. We got to let him do his work. And we partner with him in doing his work. But when he begins to nudge us to hold people accountable, like Apostle Paul said, we have to be willing to move. But don't just always move impulsively or out of fear. We want to be led by the Spirit of God. Can I have an amen? And this is what we need in our midst. In the Holy Spirit, he comes to do this in our lives and to teach us to have this balance. And not only that, to help us to have a smile on our face while we're doing it. We don't have to always, man, he said love. Then what did he say? Joy. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness. He said, love, joy. So you have, we want to walk in love, but then we want to have joy with it. As we're laying down our lives, we want to have joy with it. We want to be people that laugh a lot. Some of you in this room, you don't laugh enough. Well, I'm just processing. smile on your face well my teeth are bad well go get them fixed <laughs> you got bad teeth they got all kinds of stuff for that now they can fix you they hook you up they, <laughs> your stuff be glowing after they get done but start smiling can I have an amen y'all my goodness lord help us Nothing wrong with, it's nothing worse than being around Christians that never smile. Like, man, I can't hang with you, man. You too tight. (laughs) The world is full of too much mess. I need to laugh sometime. Can I have an amen? You too tight, man. I can't do it with you, man. I get away from them deep people, man. I need to laugh, man. I got all kinds of stuff going on in my life. I got to laugh sometimes. I got to laugh at myself. (laughs) Okay, let me get back here. Look what it says in verse 14. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. 
And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God. And God in him. Somebody say abides. We want to live here. We want to dwell here. We want to enjoy this. We want to walk out this walk of love. We want it to be so abundantly clear that this is where I am in life. That this is my lifestyle. It's something that the Holy Spirit is forged within my character now. That I'm just a loving person. That we're just loving people. That this is how we function and operate. And love doesn't mean that sometimes you don't get mad. Doesn't mean that sometimes you, you, don't, you have had enough. Doesn't mean that's all a part of love. Read the Bible and see how Jesus... Uh, we know who was full of love, personification of love, he whipped people out of the temple. He said, verse 17, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. World love has perf- been perfected among us in this, that we have may ha- we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. My nature, you have shared your nature with me, and your moral attribute of love has been perfected in me. So that now, when I come before the throne of God, I don't come feeling shamed. I come because love has been perfected in my midst and in my life. And I come with boldness now. Knowing I laid down my life to benefit other people and to bless them and to encourage somebody else. And to do something to bless somebody else is my live my life to please you God and not just myself. That's what gives you boldness. That's what he's saying is going to give us boldness because as he is, so are we in this world. I've let God consume my life. And that's what's going to give me confidence. Not just the blood, which is powerful. Not just the cross, but the application of it in my life. It's what's going to give, he says, boldness. The Apostle John is saying, this is what's going to give you boldness. When you allow the love of God to be perfected among us, and then as he is, so are you. You begin to reflect your father. His DNA becomes a part of you. His nature becomes a part of you. And now you begin to reflect him in the earth. This is what gives you confidence that, Lord, I laid down my life for you. I gave myself to benefit somebody else. He says this. He says, he says, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. And this is the problem. If you and I want to get delivered from fear, which really is just self-preservation, Amen. then we got to it by giving up our lives that's how we overcome fear by doing the exact opposite of what it's asking you to do fear has torment when people get overtaken with fear it torments them but you have to fight fear with love 
You, you and I have to be willing to give of our lives. And when we lay down our lives, it busts us out of that, that, the chains of fear. Because fear, it'll torment you. It'll paralyze you. It'll cripple you. It'll keep you stuck. But when we start loving God and loving God's people and laying down our lives to bless God and his people, it breaks fear off of our lives. When we get to the place where we're living our lives as though, now watch this, living our lives as though we are dead, that's when you really begin to live. This is what I'm saying. When we get to the place where we're not afraid to be obedient to God. When we start really getting to the place where God, your will be done. You want me to go left, I'll go left. You want me to go right, I'll go right. You want me to go to the highest mountain, I'll go. You want me to go to the deepest valley, I'll go. I'm willing to deny myself, take up my cross, and follow you. It doesn't make sense. I don't know what I'm doing all the time. But God, I know this is what you're doing in my life. This is where you want me to go. I trust you. I'm laying down your life. The devil doesn't know what to do with you when you start living your life like that. Can I have an amen? The fear, fear or start leaving your life. You start, you, you, some people, I don't want to drive. Why? I'm afraid. You better get in your car. And trust God and trust that you're covered in the blood of Jesus and the Holy Spirit with you and that you're going to make it just fine. And to get that self-preservation off you and go for God. And let God lead your life. When we learn to do this, God, he frees us from all this garbage that keeps us bound. The only way to get free from, from fear is to walk in love. Amen. To walk in it. To talk in it. To talk to yourself about it. God is with me. And this is one of the scriptures that I quote all the time. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out all fear because fear involves torment. And I refuse to be tormented, you devils. Get out of my way in the name of Jesus. I'm going to walk with God. Can I have an amen? This is how we got to start learning to talk to ourselves and overcome in our lives. But he, look at this, verse, verse 18. Because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. He says, we love him because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, now watch this, and hates his brother, he is a liar. I love God, but his people are low down, dirty rats. You know, come on, y'all know, y'all know, y'all know, y'all know. What's wrong with you? I love God, but his people. Mm. But I don't know about you. I, you know, me and my wife, this year we're going to celebrate our 20-year anniversary. Yeah. Man, I married up, y'all. Yeah, I found me a good thing. Now. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm a nice guy. I'm a loving guy. I praise God for people. But man, if you mess with my wife, <laughs> I still got a little dog in me. 
I'm just letting you know, you know. You can pick on me all you want, but don't mess with my honey bun that. Now, but it's a shame because, you know, the thing about it is, if I care that much about my bride, how much do you think Jesus cares about us? Can I have an amen? And so, one of the things to keep in mind is that if you say you, we, if we say we love God and we hate our brothers, the Bible says that we're lying. Because you don't get him without us. You don't get him without us. The church is the body of Christ, is the bride of Christ, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That you, we have to realize that true believers, those that are walking with God, we have to keep in mind that when you're talking about the church, you're not just talking about the church. In his mind, according to the scripture, you're also talking about him. When the Apostle Paul saw at the time before he met Jesus, was on the road to Damascus and he got knocked off his beast. The Lord knocked him down. A bright light shone. He looked up. Jesus said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He didn't say, why are you messing around with my church and throwing people in jail and and doing these detestable things and and leaving people left for dead? Why are you doing this to these people? He said, why are you persecuting me? Saints, let me say this to you. Never, I want to say this, and I, I try to take comfort in this. If somebody mess with me, I know God's got my back. Can I have an amen? And this is what we have to be careful about putting our mouths on people, the people of God. And we want to make sure that we're judging righteously. We want to judge righteously. We don't want to gossip. We want to judge righteously. So we have to make sure that we have that healthy balance. But we have to keep in mind that when it comes to your brothers and sisters in Christ, you may not like their dress. You may not like his hairstyle. But God, it's not about your personal preference. You got to love that person. You got to love them. And if we have more of that in the church, the world wouldn't know what to do with us. The world wouldn't know what to do. Now, it doesn't mean that everything in the church is perfect, but it just means to me, and I I don't know about you, I'm the type of person that, um, and I'm going to say this and we're going to get out of here. Lord, help me with this. You know, it's one thing for us to police ourselves. It's another, th- it's another thing to sit back and stand back idly and idle when the world tries to police us. Yeah. Now, now, you, you're not going to spank my kids. I'm not going to sit back and just let you talk about my brothers and sisters. Now, they may be wrong. We'll deal with them. 
But you're not going to deal with them. Y'all don't even know what y'all are talking about. You need to get your lives together, world. Can I have an amen? The world is quick to throw rocks at the church. And we sit back, oh, they threw rocks at us. No, 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 don't be throwing rocks at my brother. The church may not be perfect. God's working on them. We love them. And we gonna, but y'all not going to sit back and talk about my brothers and sisters in Christ. Can I have an amen, y'all? We got to learn to police each other and to, and to do what the scripture says. But then we cannot sit back and let the, the world just think that they're going to run over the church and the church not going to rally together and, 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 and start letting the Holy Spirit move in our midst. Can I have an amen? We got to learn to do this. We got to learn to, we got to learn to let people know that, hey, look, the church may not be perfect. And God's working on us. But we're still the bride of Christ and the body of Christ. And we're not going to let you all just treat us like we're crazy or something. Because I love my brother. I love my brother. Can I have an amen, y'all? He says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? This commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must, somebody say must, must love his brother also. Sometimes brothers and sisters have conflicts. Sometimes you need to take a time out. Sometimes you go your separate, uh, separate ways for just a little while. Sometimes you got problems, but it doesn't mean that you don't love each other. Can I have an amen, y'all? And, this, and it doesn't mean that we cannot still, you know, uh, reconcile, do all those things that we need to do down the road when the time is right and all that type of stuff. But even though there may be an issue, it doesn't mean that I don't love you. You can be in a disagreement with someone and still love them. You can be, you can, and, and we have to embrace this aspect of Christianity. That when it comes to love, there is no other option. I have to love my brothers and sisters. When it comes to love, I have no other option. I have to love God. And love means that I'm going to be uncomfortable sometimes. Sometimes the world is not going to see eye to eye with me, and they shouldn't, and that's okay. Does not mean that I cut off my love valve towards God and towards people. Saints, we've got to get to the place where we have this balance. And I've been talking about this in the church for a while. Where we have this balance when it comes to Christianity. Love doesn't mean that we just let everything go. Love means that we get back to the biblical model. And we stick to that and then allow God... To forge his nature and character in our midst. So when people come to our church and they come to churches all over the world, they sense, man, these people really, really love each other. They don't just go to church. They love each other. They rally around each other. They care about each other. They lay down their lives for others. They pray for one another. They celebrate each other. They, they, they bless each other. Man, they correct each other in that church. Have you ever been in that church? Yeah, they correct each other. Yeah. They corrected me. 
That's because they love you. They love you, man. They love you. Nothing worse. Nothing, I tell you, getting around people that they see you, you're, you, something's wrong and they won't say anything. That means they don't love you. Man, tell me. I want to make it right. And the church has to become full of people that are walking in love, not just talking about love. They're walking it out. They're walking it out. And they're walking it out. And you see it and you feel it and you sense it and you know it. And people, it's tangible for people that, man, these people really love. They love. How do you know? Because, man, they, they're willing to give of themselves. They really are. And they love each other as brothers and sisters. Father, this morning, on this Resurrection Sunday, we thank you that you didn't just talk about your love for us. Father, you sent your only begotten Son. And he died for us, was buried for us. And right now, Jesus, you are sitting on the right hand of the Father for us. And you forever live, Jesus, to make intercession for us. You're still giving yourself to us, Jesus. Not only that, Father, but you, because of your love for us, you sent your spirit to dwell in our midst and in us to teach us how to love. Lord, we refuse to let the world define to us what love looks like. We refuse to let the devil uh, bring deception in our hearts concerning what true biblical agape looks like. Lord, we want to be people that are full of the love of God. And God, we want to talk and walk in this love. And I just pray for everyone in the sound of my voice that, Lord, love would become their lifestyle. God, eradicate selfishness from our lives. Uproot selfishness, which is the root of all sin. Pull it out of our life. The devil was selfish. He wanted his own stuff. He wanted to do his own thing, and he wanted his own place, and he wanted it. And Lord, his own selfishness and pride got him kicked out of heaven. We don't want our hearts filled with this filth. We want to be a channel of love and a blessing. And Lord, I just pray that love would be perfected among us. That as brothers and sisters in Christ, although we may never always agree, that, Lord, there would be an unbreakable bond through the Holy Spirit that keeps us progressing and going forth in the things of God. Lord, this morning, as we close out this service, may we never forget your sacrifice. You didn't just talk about it, Jesus. You did it. You laid your life down for us. You gave of yourself. And Lord, it was not easy. It was bloody. It was gory. It was painful. But you despised the shame and are sitting right now on the right hand of the Father. And Lord... It is our reasonable service to present our bodies as a living sacrifice for you and to bless other people. Forgive us for just being religious, going to church, 
We want a relationship, which means that every day we got to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow you, Jesus. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, y'all. Come on, let's stand to our feet. You know, I want to have a, a little bit of a unique altar call this morning in prayer for people. You know, it's one thing for us to learn how to love. It's another thing to learn how to receive it. You know, my prayer is this morning is that we would learn how to receive love. Get in your mind a biblical view of what love really is and then learn how to receive it. We're, we want to give, but do we know how to receive it from God and from God's people? And there's an adjustment that needs to take place in our hearts so that we can really receive love and understand what God's doing. When you look at the lives of some of the patriarchs in this book, you know, some of the things that God did to them and in their lives, it seemed kind of rough. But when you look at the end of the story, you never can judge the story by the beginning of the story. Wait till you get to the end. And then you'll find out God's real intentions and how his love was flowing in their situation. Whether it's Moses, whether it's David, whether it's Job. People read the chapter of Job and they, in the first and second chapter, they think, what was God doing? And then when you get to 39, 40, 41, you get down there, you say, oh, why didn't I think of that? In your life, it's the same thing. Learn to receive God's love. And no, and this is something me and my wife have been talking about a lot, that no matter what happens in your life, God always has your best interest in mind. Can I have an amen, y'all? Just wait. He has your best interest in mind. You have been listening to Pastor Napoleon Kaufman of The Well on the KFAX Ministry of the Week Sunday message. Find out more about today's speaker at their website, thewellchurch.net, or at our website, kfax.com, where you can also find links to the podcast of this program and others. I'm Mike Matthews. Join us here again next week for the Ministry of the Week Sunday message on AM 1100 KFAX. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.